0: Welcome to the Demand Generation Club podcast, the first podcast dedicated exclusively to SaaS B2B demand gen secrets and best practices as shared by some of the top leaders in the industry. This podcast is brought to you by SaaS MQL, the account-based marketing agency that helps SaaS companies land six-figure deals with highly targeted campaigns by combining intent data, automation, and a proven methodology.
1: SaaS MQL
0: can help your company generate millions of dollars in sales opportunities within just a few months.
1: To learn more, go to sasmql.com. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Demand Generation Club podcast. I'm your host, Franco Caporale. Our guest today is Herb Wong, Senior Vice President of Product and Strategy at RFXL. Founded in 2003, RFXL is the first company to focus on the safety of the pharmaceutical supply chain and to bring advanced traceability technologies to manufacturers, wholesalers and distributors. After 3 heads of marketing departed within 4 years, Herb in his current role rebooted the marketing organization, generating an increase in marketing qualified leads of over 500% through improved SEO and public relations efforts. A versatile and highly creative leader with more than 20 years of experience, Herb brings skills in strategic planning, solution architecture and relationship building to leading organizations his team deliver elegant products and programs that enable sustainable and predictable growth. So I'm really happy to welcome today Herb Wong, Senior Vice President of Product and Strategy at RFXL. Herb, I'm really glad to have you on the episode today. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Hey, Franco, thank you for the opportunity.
1: Awesome. Let's begin right away. Tell us more about your career trajectory, your background, and a little bit about you.
0: Sure. So, um, you know, uh, I, I don't have a You know, my background is actually not in marketing. I spent my most of my career doing professional services and booming projects. Uh, I kind of got into this one at this company because we uh, um, we had a user group started, and the, the VP of marketing, who was supposed to run this right after we announced it, our first user group, uh, this person quit. And so they, the CEO asked me to run the, the user group the first time ever. Uh, we did it successfully. Uh, we got very high, high marks for our user group. So he asked me if I would take over the marketing group. Uh, so my current title now is I'm VP of uh, marketing. I think everyone knows what that is. Uh, the other hat it where it is also VP of strategic initiatives. Um, what that means officially is, is RFXL. I'm responsible for taking RFXL as a company and we partner with the industry. My, my job is to contribute back to the industry. Uh, internally, we make a joke, you know, everything that other people don't want to do at RFXL becomes a strategic initiative. <laughs> so <I kind> of <laughs> that makes sense. Bit.
1: And so tell us what RF, RFXL does, what's, what's the company, what's the solution?
0: Sure, no problem. So RFXL, what we do is we give you detailed visibility into the supply chain. So regardless of what you manufacture, we can actually help you track, track the details of it from beginning to end. We, let you, we can track you down to individual units. Uh, we have things to let you know a uh, real-time IoT devices, so you know exactly where it is, what the temperature conditions are. We can track the raw materials that go into that, right? And uh, allowing you for immediate recall. Uh, we start off in the pharmaceutical space, helping, helping different uh, pharmaceutical com- companies meet different regulatory requirements, but we've expanded into food and bev, uh, into uh, cosmetics, into other, many other industries. Uh, we're one of the few that actually... Also, do government contracts. We're helping some governments actually do track and trace for within their governments.
1: And you've been there for a few years now, and you had a really tremendous success growing the company, which we'll talk in a second. How how much different is the company from when you joined to what it is today, especially on the marketing side?
0: Oh my gosh! You know, we we, we like to look back at this last. So so when I started, um, our 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 I look back at the powerpoints we used to have right the powerpoints we had in terms of our products it was basically four colored boxes uh, that we did in powerpoint right today i think our portfolio includes over a dozen different product solutions right and we did this by building this organically uh, not through not through acquisition right so the company has really kind of uh, stepped up but we've also we've also kind of cleaned up the marketing message right we've really been working hard on on the branding and the visibility of what we do
1: and we might need to do a separate podcast on the whole strategic initiative thing because it's very interesting. And uh, I would love to learn more about that because I, I love your your kind of product uh, development and product management experience. But I think today I want to really focus on uh, this gorilla branding um, that kind of came out of our, our conversation. And you said you were able to really get your name out without paying for it without spending too much money for it so tell us a little bit what is gorilla branding for you how how we define that
0: sure so so basically for us gorilla branding is figuring how to get our name out there with very little money right and so we do a lot of creative things um i think where this started is is at one point we we were given a you know um i think um uh, the company felt, felt generous, and they, for a short time, they gave us a lot of money to, do, to work with a, a PR firm. And this PR firm was charging us $10,000 a month to, to get our name out, to get our to get our, 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 our get articles published with various uh, magazines. Uh, for $10,000, they they covered the, they helped us cover Europe and the U.S. and we were getting about one article a month. But what they didn't do is they didn't cover the rest of the world. So Asia, Latin America, we they, they didn't cover that. So what we did was we did it ourselves, right? And so while they're doing for the rest of the, for the US and Europe, right? Uh, we didn't have the tools. We we used, we we started reading publications in these countries. We found these people on LinkedIn and then we had people, we hired temporary workers in these countries who spoke the language to help us reach out and connect with them. We found that for for, for literally pennies, we could get the same amount of volume, if not a little bit more than, than a company we're paying $10,000 for. I think that was the start of our, our idea for Gorilla Branding, right? We found that, if you do it right, if you're clever, right, you can actually do this yourself.
1: And so if I'm a VP of marketing in a startup and I want to obviously give it a shot to this gorilla branding, what is the what is the first step? What is the the one thing that you recommend uh, doing and what is that worth for you?
0: So I'll tell you what worked first initially. I, I think initially we were just trying to get our, 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 our name out into articles. Right. And so. Before I started, before we try to use a PR firm, I think before this, uh, we were lucky to get about one article a year with referencing our name, right? So what we did was we basically, um, we started looking through publications. So So today what we do is, is, is now we don't need to go to LinkedIn anymore. We actually have, there are tools we buy where you can actually find out. If you, if you want to talk about a certain topic, you can type it in and you can find out people who are out there writing these types of articles, right? You go in, you read what kind of type of articles they publish, you find out what they they want to talk about. And you basically just reach out to them and say, hey, listen, uh, we would you be interested in an article on X? And you always pick X to be something that they want to talk about. But one of the keys we learned is, is it's not just a general article just to talk about things. But, you know, we, we find that, you know, either you talk about, you know, what to do or what not to do. Right. And people tend to like to hear, hear all the mistakes you've made or the mistakes other people made. Those are the articles that are most interesting so we find that when we do that and we reach out and we offer one we offer to do that but two when we write it right we never write it with uh, to highlight our capabilities right our capabilities at best two three sentences of hey this is this is so and so this is Excel, we do this um the other thing we do is when we write uh, or when my team write, we ghost right we, we ghost right for our ceo we ghost right for our vp of services we go ghost right for our cto right and so We've worked long enough. where We know what they think about. We know what we know. Some of the funny jokes or not so funny jokes, and we tend to put that in. Right? We, we tend to inject the personality of our company and our leaders into the articles. So I think that's the first thing that that helped. Um, but then, just to add on, what we learned last year, right, during the pandemic is we we or or pre-pandemic, we also learned that you know, with my hat of VP of Strategic Initiatives, where, we're, where my task is to partner with the industry, right. We found that just going out and working with the industry, volunteering, not, not, not so much just volunteering, like things like, you know, Habitat for Humanity, where you help build a house, right, but, but literally things that the industry needs, right? And I can give you examples of your industry, but, but we volunteer to do some of the things that, that people find hard. And you find that once you volunteer, your name gets out there. You get known as a person, hey, you know, this company can pull together something. Um, I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you an example you and I can kind of talk about, right? So within the industry we worked in, right, there, there are – there are many of us are building solutions to meet certain FDA requirements, right? But the problem is, no one knows if all these all these solutions we're all building works. And so we 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 reached out to the FDA and we offered to 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 run a pilot where we tested every every solution, clear our competitor solution, to prove that they met the requirements. And that's pretty challenging because you realize if you're testing your compare com- competitors, you run the risk of getting sued, right? But we were we were fairly. Um, smart about how we did We put together a process that was very above board. What we found out was, was our co- we had two competitors reach out and say, hey, Herb, your test cases aren't, aren't good enough. Let me show you how to improve them. One of our competitors said, look, we believe this is the best for the industry. They actually brought us into their offices. We sat in a conference room with the engineers. We talked through how the technology worked and how our technology worked. You know, you find out that if you, you work for the good of the industry, there's so many people who want to work with you. So not only did it open us, give us more visibility, right? but it opened up for for people that we, that used to be our comparisons. Now we work with them hand in hand for the good of the industry.
1: So basically your approach is, you know, producing a lot of content that publisher wants to write about, or they want to, they want to share as well as, you know, doing good for your industry, which I really, I'm really interested in that. Let's go back to the content for one second, because, Sure. I know everyone knows that content is important and they need more, but how, how do you produce a consistent output of great content one after the other when you don't have a big team under you?
0: Um, you know, what what you do is you you find, you, you network with your, with the people in your company, right? So, so as an example, um, if you talk to people in professional services and they're doing implementation, right? and this is, it's, you're not looking for content. You talk to me find out what they're doing, right? And so for example, at one point we were talking to our professional services team and they are telling us about the difficulties of implementation, right? And all of a sudden that's, that's a story we had, right? It wasn't, we weren't looking for it but they tell us the things they've learned. And all of a sudden we put them on a webcast with us, right? So we did, they did a webinar and then from the webinar we, we, we got the bits and pieces of story. And then we had a content writer, listen to that webinar and then we, we developed further content from it. Um, you can talk with maybe our, you know another example, we, we talked with CTO and he mentions these, these deadlines coming up that we didn't know about. And so we talked to him, we, and we so, said, well, what, what do you need to do? And all of a sudden you have content, right? Even if you're a small company, right? If you talk to the people who are actively engaged with customers who have to deliver, you will find a wealth of stories out there, right? Because, because they know it. And, and truth is, these are the people that your customers want to hear from right? The people who are in the trenches, you know, get those stories, surface those stories and everyone will want to read them.
1: And you have, you had also an interesting opinion about outsourcing the content because I think uh, you try like probably everyone that is listening to this podcast as well as have has tried at some point to outsource content creation. How was your experience here? And would you recommend it? You
0: know, it depends on your on what you're selling your company. So so for us, outsourcing didn't work well because um, because the, the 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 solutions we sell are very niche, right? And so unless you understand in depth what we do, what the industry requires of what we do, it's hard to put the content. So so we found it easier to hire a good writer, bring him in full time into our company, and then teach him our product so he can he can develop our voice, right? Because if you think of what you pay for a generic content writer, right, versus a full-time employee has to learn it's, it's actually not more expensive to bring on full-time. Um, if you're working in industries such as, you know, maybe some generic tech, technology, says, I, I shouldn't call it generic, but broader technologies such as like data warehousing, right, you can get away with hiring a content writer. But then again, they don't develop your voice, right? They don't develop, they don't know what's special about you and, and you, you spend more time teaching them and telling them what to write. So, so for us, it's easier to take it inside.
1: Yeah. So you you built basically a, a team and you are leveraging some of your f- of other departments to to provide some content, maybe in other format like webinars. I think you mentioned or or interviews, and then you turn that into something publishable. Yeah, uh, we, that, that's that's a good one.
0: No, yeah, we, we are not a fit, afraid to beg, borrow, and steal in this market. <laughs> we talk to everyone internally, and then that's where we get a lot of our content.
1: And do you do you drive this content also based on SEO so how how do you match your SEO requirements or like your SEO plan with the content that you're getting published into these third party channels like uh, which how do you balance that like SEO keywords that you want versus what they want to publish?
0: you know that's that's a great question and and I think it depends for us right so for example, In markets where we're established and we know what the message is, right, we 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 can't drive the message, right. But as we try to enter into new markets where we try to bring our technologies into different different places where we may not have 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 a strong standing, right, Um, it's a little bit of an experiment, right. We 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 publish, we 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 track for certain keywords and we see what comes in via SEO, right. Um, At the same time, we're we're pushing out a message, so so that kind of gives us guides what we want to speak about. We speak about that and then we watch how many people kind of go back to those those, those, those uh, topics or publications. Um, one of the other things we find very helpful is uh, videos. I mean, one of the things is uh, people really, really hate to read now. And <laughs> if you had a choice of reading you know, a five-page article or just watching a video, people will always go to video. Um, we found that once we push, started pushing out videos, we saw a lot more, lot more people going out for that content. And so when we're going to new areas, we're, we're always testing, we're testing the message, we're testing the words, we're testing what topics people are interested in. And what makes it challenging? challenge is we, we got to, what people are interested in, we have to align what we're good at, right? If I talk about something that is maybe very interesting, but we don't solve the problem with, well, you know, it's my marketing dollars, not, not returning, uh, doing a return on investment.
1: And so also you talked about, you know, doing good for the community, even if, It doesn't come with, uh, you know, with a return attached, or at least not an immediate one. And so that kind of triggers my question on how do you measure the effectiveness of all these initiatives? Because obviously you are allocating resources to where you're allocating budget, headcounts, etc. How can you measure the results at the end of the year? Even if they are a long-term plans, and how do you decide if you want to do more of it? If you need to do less, how do you balance that?
0: Yeah, you know that's a really good question, and I think most marketing people say you no, know, like uh, the further away you move from the, the 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 tangible efforts, right? So so we can measure SEO very effectively. We can measure a webinar. We can measure. But branding is hard because sometimes what you do in branding you don't always tie to people coming to you unless they tell you, right? Um, and so what we the way we measure it is is one way we measure is is, is we measure it by the stories we're able to give our salespeople, right? Um, one of the things I know our salespeople always ask because is Herb, you know, can you give me a story I can tell, right? When I go, don't don't I don't want to just tell about the company. I want to tell about what our company is doing, right? And so, so that's one way. So, so the more stories we can equip our salespeople with to help, help them uh, paint our company in a positive light, I think that's one way, right? But that doesn't always tie back to a, a deal one, right? Because it's many things that, that do, that's only one of it. Um, I think the, uh, the other thing we do tie back to is, is we do know occasionally people will reach back to us, right? Uh, and so we, we do always ask, you know, if, it, if they didn't come through a webinar, if they didn't come through an event, right? We do ask, well, how did you hear about us? And we find that those are the ones that 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 are, frequent, are that we can measure, right? Um, those are few and far between. But I will say that, you know, if you're working in a space where, where the problem is not easy to solve, right? When you get your brand out there and people know who you are and they reach out to you, a lot of those informal meetings tend to be much bigger deals, right? The, the, the deals that we win through those, um, they tend, tend to be, whether, whether, you know, we call them the elephants, right? These are the few elephants that walk in they're really big, but they're complex problems. And, and you know, the thing is, if they could find the problem easily through advertising, they would. A lot of these problems that come in, they'll come and say, hey, Herb, we have a problem. It doesn't fit what other people are doing. These are the things we're trying to solve. Can you help us, right? And those are the ones that, that kind of come into us, right? Not uh, through branding. Maybe that's specific to our industry, but you know, I'd be curious what other people are experiencing.
1: And what else have you found that you, know, you were able to do for the community? Other examples of things that you guys have done that have have helped the the your industry your community your you know that spe- the specific roles that you help
0: you know i'll say that you know and in, in our industry right um because we're, we're we're many of us many of our competitors are, are trying to solve uh government deadlines right a government has given you a deadline to do this or do that right um one of the things that, that we've learned to do, we found it is by reaching out to competitors and helping us all together to work together to help for, for a common good, right? Um, if you've got an industry where you have some mandate, where, where some deadline comes in or some requirement, I'll, I'll use it for example, even something simple like, you know, just getting COVID, 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 COVID vaccines distributed, right? Um, just simply reaching out to your competitor and say, hey, listen, this is, this is for the good of the world, this is for the good of the deadline, this is for the good of our, our customers, right? Would you work with me to put together a program to help make this easier? You will find out that, that more often than not, a lot of competitors will work with you, especially if you don't try to hog the spotlight. If if when, when you come together and present, you acknowledge them, that they're, they're on the stage with you, right? Um, it, it helps because people see that you can work together, right? And, and I, I think that's one. Of the, that's one of the areas we've been working towards, right? And I, I gotta be honest. I, I think a lot of the that that we've reached out to that work with us, uh, to be frank, in certain areas, they, they've actually taken the show. They, you know, they're stronger in certain areas than we are because I can't commit all my resources. But it's best for the. It's it's good for the state of the, of the industry, right? It's good that we work together. It's good that collectively we work towards towards a goal instead of kind of, kind of spending all our efforts fighting each other and trying to win against each other.
1: Yeah, and I agree that nothing builds a better brand than your potential customers seeing that you are dedicated to help their their community or their peers. Yeah, um, but obviously, when I when I think of the name Gorilla Brand New Gorilla Marketing, one of the first thing that I uh, I visualize is the Salesforce you know stunts that they pulled back in the days when they were a young startup at the Siebel conference and they were wore costumes and tried to drive press uh, at their at the seabel conference or oracle conferences have you tried anything like that does that work
0: yeah this is this is embarrassing because this is this is an example of something so you know I talk about stories of things that don't work right so um I remember that simple story. I know, actually, know that story. And so we we had a conference one once where where I thought me I'm going to take I'm going to, I'm going to take credit for this failure, right? I thought it would be funny to kind of give up give out handouts to to get people to kind of work with us. And so I, I convinced my team to make these um, these uh, first aid kits, right? And inside we had stickers like something like you know you know is is your current provider making you constipated, right? I think that was one of the slogans we had on there. Um, that did not actually go off that well. I think one of the things I learned was, you know, in different industries, you know, in in, in you know in in Siebel or, 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 or sales, you know you work as salespeople, that t- kind of aggressive marketing work. but because in the, the time we were working, we worked with pharmaceutical companies where they're a little bit more conservative, that actually didn't work, right? And I think that was the genesis of where, where we we, we fine tune our guerrilla marketing, right? We realized that you know don't don't try to don't don't try to paint others in a negative light, right? Just just work with them, right? The fact is. We work in in an industry that is trying to do good for others, right? Medicines, pharmaceuticals, you know, I know they get a a bad rap, but if you ever talk to some of the people working in those companies, there's a passion about saving lives, right? They want to help. A lot of people who are in this industry want to help and they they don't view kind of that type of uh, marketing as favorable. And so, you know, that's an example we tried and that's an example we realized, you know, that's not the way to do it in this industry. It's not the image we
1: company actually it's less about trying to be clever and at all costs and and more just think of the good think of what people actually need versus you know taking the spotlight in different ways yeah exactly and is there any other initiative that you have in mind that maybe you want to try in the future or things that could potentially work that you haven't tried yet but you might want to test it that will work towards the the purpose of this uh branding
0: you know i i think it's we're not seeing new ways to try it but but i i well i think one of the things we're, we're trying to do is as we move into different verticals right uh one of the things we find is 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 um we find that instead of us reaching out to develop to, to experts in other fields and try to speak their language we're finding it's better to hire experts in our in within the marketing group right so for example if you look at what we did is uh in the pharma space, right, we we were always trying to be active in the industry, right. But until all of a sudden we put a marketing person who is responsible for being active, right, it changed it because we had a different mindset. Right, previous to this one, um, we had engineers and salespeople work in the industry, try to make 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 ourselves known. But if especially if you're an engineer, you, you, you have a different focus, right. But when you put a marketing person in, right. They, they instantly understand that they want to not only make a difference, right? But the way they make it, they, they, they try to leave behind a perception, right? And so one of the things we are looking at seriously is, is bringing in more vertical expertise into the marketing group versus us reaching out and partnering with them, right? Because when you have a person within the marketing group that, let's say, is an expert in food and beverage, and then that marketing person goes out and speak, they're speaking, they always know what they want to get out of the marketing and then they they, they drive for a certain message. Versus, if I get someone who's an expert in the, the helping market, it's one of the things they have to do. That you know, they, they don't care about. I shouldn't say don't care, but they're not focused on our brand, right? They, they're focusing on, on helping market and then going on to the other things they have to do.
1: Yeah. Now this is this is spot on. I love I love this uh, this last advice, and I have one more question for you, uh, which is separate from the gorilla branding, but I like to ask this question. Uh, to every guest, which is tell us one thing that is keeping you up uh, at night. One thing that is top, really top of mind for you, you're trying to solve uh, right now.
0: Uh, so um, we, you know, what keeps me up is, is I'm trying to figure out how we do more with less, right? Um, You know, I, I think when, when COVID hit, right, it, it happened right at the beginning of our fiscal year and we were told, Herb, you, you're not going to get more money. In fact, you, I, I need you to take a cut. Off your marketing budget and so what happened last year was not only did we take a cut right but the workload for us increased significantly right and in that year of cobra we learned how to to really kind of take what we what the money we have and really make sure we spread it right i think we there's a joke there's a joke we sometimes make you know we say uh we've learned to spread the peanut butter really thin here right um but we still have a very t- you know we still manage to produce a good product and i think I think that's the thing. I mean, if you look back to my example of, of you know, we hired, we outsourced a PR company we pay a lot of money for it. Right. But the truth is if you really step back and you look at how things are done right. And, you're just, and you take a sense, um, a pragmatic approach, right. You'll find that you can do a lot with very little. Um, one of the things we've learned to stretch our pennies is we, we do do a lot of outsourcing using uh, Upwork, right. We can reach out to people around the world who can give us expertise. Right. And that, that for us, that was a game changer, but, also, you'll find that in some cases, bringing certain certain skills in-house is actually cheaper than trying to outsource.
1: Yeah, this is uh, counterintuitive. Your last point about you know outsourcing skill versus hiring, because the immediate thought is let's outsource. We don't have the budget to hire internally. But you are saying is that it might be cheaper sometimes. It, it is, and
0: yeah, I think we're, we're, we're and we're very careful about the, the what we bring in-house, right? Wherever we want to make sure we develop the voice of the company or that that someone truly can understand what we do, those are the things we want to bring in-house, right? Because if you outsource that and teach someone else how to talk about your company, as soon as the contract's over, you gotta teach someone else again. Right. We want that in-house. When people, we want people who really live and understand the company to to be the spokesperson. Uh, Things such as uh, things we do outsource, SEO, right? That's it's it's not a skill that requires special knowledge of our company and, and people can do it better. Those are things we outsource but things that, that require special knowledge company we want to keep in-house.
1: That makes sense. Perfect. Herb, this was absolutely great. I really enjoyed the conversation. So thanks again for joining the Demand Generation Club and speaking on our podcast.
0: Ah, oh, Franco, it was great talking to you and I, I love hearing what you're doing with your your group. I mean, it's uh, it's actually kind of cool. I, I envy you. I wish I was younger. So.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, Herb.
0: All right. Thanks, Franco.